0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662 844 1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of The Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borkey. Thank you. For making the podcast a part of your day, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. And that's right, you already made it to Wednesday of game week. We're halfway there, and it feels really, really good. A little bit of rain outside right now, but the weather this weekend, by the way. If you're going to the game, I don't know if you've looked at the forecast yet, it is going to be stunning. I'm talking, you're getting rain today, especially if you're in Oxford. It's going to rain all day. It's probably going to rain all day tomorrow. You're going to get a cool Friday and a cool Saturday for the most part, at least in the morning. uh, I guess you're not tailgating at the Grove, so whatever you're doing pregame, going to be nice and cool, high of 80, and partly cloudy for kickoff in Oxford on Saturday. That's amazing, and not so amazing news last night. There's some drama now. This Otis Reese situation is uh, starting to get ugly, and uh, we'll give you all the details coming up as well as a look at the depth chart. I know those things are written in sand. You shouldn't take too much into looking at a depth chart, but I know people love it, so we're going to look at it as well and break that down for you. At least the things that stood out to me when looking at Old Mrs. depth chart. But first, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you every single day by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. It is going to be raining, so next couple of days, maybe not the best to stand behind the grill, so let LB's do the cooking for you. Stop by and get one of their daily lunch specials. Go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. But like I said, the weather Saturday is going to be beautiful. Get your game day started with LB's, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. All right, here we go. So this Otis Reese situation, uh, I've been talking about it a lot, uh, mostly because I think it's, uh, it's really shameful what the NCAA has done uh to not just him I mean, there's a couple uh, a couple of other guys out there there's a South Carolina player that's a junior college transfer that got denied his waiver yesterday there, there was some something weird about that so he went to a junior college but anyway a South Carolina player was denied his waiver yesterday and it's just so funny to me that when Georgia needs a quarterback who's from California transfers from Southern Cal Across the country, because he lost his starting job, he gets a waiver like that. But a kid that played at a small college last year transfers to South Carolina and gets denied his eligibility during game week. I just don't understand why the people in power at these schools just accept the NCAA and these kind of decisions. But now the same thing is happening to Ole Miss. That's why I've talked about it so much. Otis Reese, we are four days away From kickoff and less than four days. Three days away from kickoff and still no answer. And so Otis Reese decided uh, to take his reason for transfer public. And here's what he said. He tweeted this last night, wrote a long letter, and uh, I will read that to you and then we will react to it. So this is Otis Reese, a safety... Um, in case you didn't know, a safety at Ole Miss. He transferred from Georgia after playing there for two years, uh, transferred to Ole Miss, and is seeking immediate eligibility. That transfer happened in January, and he is still awaiting his waiver. This is what he put on Twitter last night. Quote, It was not my intent to fight this battle publicly. Those who knows, know me best know that's not my nature. However, after months of working with my team through unforeseen times, we are now four days away from our first game, and there has been no word from the NCAA or SEC. I have learned recently that Georgia has opposed my waiver, which is unfortunate considering what I was told when I attempted to leave last year. The reason I chose to transfer is because my year and a half at Georgia took a devastating mental toll on me. From my first moments I stepped on campus, it was not what I expected. The racist events that I kept experiencing weighed on me heavily and seemed never-ending. Then when I chose to leave the team, I was led to believe that by Coach Smart that if I finished the season and, quote, not let my team down as he requested, he would support both my decision to transfer and my request to be immediately eligible. The NCAA has text message evidence from myself to Coach Smart, which verifies my intent to leave on October 4th of last year, in which I was manipulated to play the very next day when I was truly at my darkest moment. He continues. When I was a student-athlete at Georgia, I was pulled over and harassed by police officers not once but twice. The first time, I was driving alone, and the second time, I was a passenger in my teammate's car. On both occasions, the officers were extremely aggressive, accusing us of using drugs and searching the car without any basis and told us they would take us to jail. This type of harassment was a constant discussion around players throughout my time at Georgia, as many of my teammates were falsely arrested and harassed both of my times, I was polite, respectful, and compliant, but both of these experiences left me shaken. I received tickets and citations. Upon request of body cam footage from the Athens police, we were told that it did not exist. One of my closest friends and teammates was called the N-word by a white student-athlete. Another group of classmates mocked slavery and pretended to whip each other. Those were two very public events. I didn't want to be a part of a campus where my classmates held that kind of hate in their hearts. None of these things were ever addressed by the coaches at Georgia. There was literally nobody to speak about these types of things without having fear of losing your position on the team. Coach Kiffin and Ole Miss have been strong advocates against racism and have put in the work to change perceptions. I have seen firsthand what genuine commitment to change looks like in Oxford, and I'm excited to be a part of this program. If I was permitted to leave when I attempted last year, I would be eligible to play right now. Added to the fact that this season is essentially a free year for all student-athletes with no loss of eligibility, I cannot understand why I am being forced to sit back while my teammates are preparing for our first game. This is what he says. This is the last line. All I am asking for is what is fair and be given the opportunity to take the field and the season with my brothers. That's a lot to unpack there. But before I go forward, I do want to remind you that the NCAA asked for this. Not specifically from Otis Reese, but dating all the way back to Shea Patterson. You guys know that situation very well. The NCAA's new, I guess it's not new anymore, but at the time it was a new rule about immediate eligibility. They basically forced players transferring from one school to the next to throw their previous school under the bus. That was how they were getting immediate eligibility. That is why Shea Patterson said he was misled at Ole Miss. That is why you had a player transferring from... Texas A&M to Arizona, who that ended up not working out because of a video that came out uh, where he was using uh, racial slurs, but tried to throw Texas A&M under the bus. That's why Justin Fields said what he did about Georgia. Now, the incident absolutely did happen, but that's what the NCAA has encouraged. They started it with Shea Patterson because that is they they make rules without r- recognizing consequence, and to get eligibility waivers, a lot of times kids are having to throw their previous school under the bus because that is the precedent that the NCAA set when Shea Patterson tried to transfer, and it's been that way ever since. They asked for this. So when it comes to they're having to deal with an issue with race and transfer and stuff like that, they asked for this very thing right here. They asked for it. They asked for it. So let's unpack it. Um, the, the four days away thing, uh, like I said, we're now three days away, and it's uh, you know early on Wednesday morning, and there's still no answer, and that is just simply, I would say it's unbelievable, but uh, it's, it is absolutely believable. But then he says that Georgia has opposed his waiver, which is unfortunate because apparently he was told that they would not do that. And although the NCAA is the final decision maker, I don't think a kid's previous school should have any say in whether or not he's eligible somewhere else. If you leave a school, they shouldn't have any power over you anymore. Um, And the fact that Georgia can even influence this at all is is just pathetic but that's where we are the text message that, that's an interesting thing because it, the way it's written here it doesn't strike me as the message proves that he was told that they would um like rubber stamp his eligibility just that he requested to be eligible i don't know if we'll ever get to see that text message but this guy's got receipts and i've got something else um that I'll tell you here in a little bit, that corroborates his story. So the NCAA has asked for this, asking for people to throw their team under the bus, but um, he's got receipts on this one. And so you've got a text message, as he's talking about here, between he and Kirby Smart the day before a game. You've also got, when he talks about uh, the police and how he was pulled over twice, one of which he was alone the other time, he was with a teammate. That teammate is still a current player, a wide receiver at Georgia, and verified Otis's claim. So Otis tweeted that letter. It got quoted by Kiaris Jackson, who plays currently plays wide receiver at Georgia, and he said, I remember that night. And then dot, 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 shaking my head. So he's got a text message, apparently, according to him, and he's got a former teammate who's a current player at Georgia supporting his claim that they were unnecessarily treated by police. That's a current teammate at Georgia that is verifying that claim. And then the, the body cam thing. Now, I don't want to go down this road today, but I, um, you saw what happened in Oxford when Oxford police were uh, accused of that kind of profiling and the body cams exonerated them from that. That happened recently. Um, the The mayor took hold of that and released those and it was proven that those claims just simply were unfounded. It was not true. It didn't happen, and the body cams proved that. It's interesting that in this case they don't um, they don't exist. And for whatever it's worth, uh, I mean, look, I don't know, but for whatever it's worth, uh, there from reading comments and stuff like that on on stories about him last night, it appears that um, if you believe people, which you know, you have to take things for what they're worth now especially with the story I just told you about what happened in Oxford. Uh, there seems to be a reputation about this kind of thing happening to to Georgia students. Uh, these two are not the only ones that have shared that kind of a story, for whatever that's worth. Just you know, take that for what it's worth. But that's interesting, uh, to say the least, that a, a former teammate of his, a current player at Georgia, is verifying that story. So you've got a text message, you've got that, He mentions one of his closest friends and teammates was called an N word by a white student athlete. That is Justin Fields. It was a Georgia baseball player at a Georgia game. The player was in the stands, said, if I remember correctly, put the N word in. And that was why Justin Fields, uh, that was the reason that Justin Fields gave for why he left Georgia and transferred to Ohio State. So there's the third thing verified that it happened. So you've got a text message, you've got a former teammate current player at Georgia, corroborating his story about the situation with police, and then you've already got a former teammate, player at Georgia, that transferred from Georgia because of this incident. The player got kicked out, the the guy that said the word got kicked out of school, and he was given immediate eligibility to play at Ohio State. Three things right there. It's kind of hard to argue against it, but Georgia apparently did... Just that. And then the part about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. How, how the tables have turned when it comes to the perception of race and Ole Miss, huh? I mean, there were so many people that texted into our radio show during the marches and stuff like that, where, where Lane Kiffin was supporting... His players and their advocacy. And I had so many people asking why he was doing that. And uh, doesn't he know that he's going to isolate some of his fans if he does that? What is he doing? What is he doing? He shouldn't be doing that. This is why he does that. This right here. And I think, I I honestly, I I believe that he genuinely cares. So it's not just for selfish purposes. But this is why. Right here. Because now, you have an athlete transferring from Georgia to Ole Miss, and you know all the the crap that's been written about Ole Miss over the years. You've read it, and it's exhausting, and you've read it. And now, Lane Kiffin and what he's done is being used in a favorable light when it comes to Ole Miss and racial issues. Have you noticed that? that? That's why it was good that he did what he did. That's why. Because now perception is changing. You've got a former Georgia player releasing a letter saying, let me read the exact line again, just to make sure I get it right. Coach Kiffin and Ole Miss have been strong advocates against racism and have put in the work to change perception perceptions. I have seen firsthand what genuine commitment to change looks like in Oxford. That's real. And so, yeah, somebody can come in and write a column about Things that have happened in the past. But what's going on right now is you have a football coach that's name is on genuine commitment to change. Changing perceptions. As the basis of a transfer to your school. I think that's big time. It's huge. And I think it's genuine coming from Kiffin. I think he really does support his players. I don't think it's just for selfish reasons. You've seen some other coaches around the country do it just because they know they have to. Um, there's one in particular in Baton Rouge that kind of feels like he did it because he knew he had to. doesn't feel that way in this case. And so if you're listening to this right now and you were one of those people, and that's okay, I'm not telling you you were wrong, but this is why your football coach was doing what he did because he's changing the perception of your school. He wants to make Ole Miss a national brand. He wants to make his program a nationally competitive program. But you have to change the perception to do it. And right here, you have a player that transferred away from Georgia to Ole Miss, putting that in writing. I think that's big time. But uh, that's just me. Georgia has responded to this, by the way, and here's what they said. We cannot comment on student-athlete eligibility matters due to federal privacy laws, but we would be happy to share our full response to Otis Reese's waiver request if he provides a signed release allowing us to do so. UGA disputes any suggestion that it maintains an unsafe or unsupportive racially insensitive environment. Um, that's interesting. Because, of course, Georgia's response is going to be... You know, very crafted with lawyers and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's going to make them look very good. I'm curious as to what old Mrs. play here is going to be. Do they release George's response or, or do they realize that um, it's going to be lawyered and manipulated to feed, feed their narrative? So do you let that document get out? But at the same time, like I said, uh, there appear to be receipts here. I mean, Justin Fields transferred for a reason. And he got immediate eligibility for a reason. Now, you can roll your eyes and say it's really because he didn't beat out Jake Fromm, even though he should have and he wanted to go play at Ohio State, but he was granted that waiver. That that event absolutely did happen. And then you've got a current player at Georgia verifying another one of his claims in this letter. So does that mean that they are fostering an insensitive environment? No, it doesn't mean that. I would say the same thing about Ole Miss, like the time those idiots uh, vandalized the James Meredith statue. That's not an indication of what Ole Miss is. That's a couple of losers that um, don't have functioning brains. That's what that was. That wasn't Ole Miss. And so to say that Georgia is fostering that kind of environment would not be fair. It would be hypocritical. But he does have events that actually happened that have been corroborated by a current player and a former player. And the NCAA has found that to be the basis of a waiver approval. So I don't, I don't know how much defense Georgia really has here. But on top of all of that, this never gets public if Georgia just supports his immediate eligibility. Georgia dug their own grave with this one. They're not playing Ole Miss. They won't play Ole Miss as long as Otis Reese is there. I mean, Ole Miss isn't going to the SEC championship in two years. They're not. So why deny that in the first place? It's a disgruntled kid. He's got some stories now. Let him go, and this never gets public. This is a misstep on Georgia's part. If they just rubber stamp it, this never gets public. And here's another player now talking about race when it comes to Georgia. They screwed up. And I don't know if they can win this perception battle. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't don't know. But if they just rubber stamp this, they never see him again. He doesn't play. And nobody knows why he transfers. But now they all do. This letter made it everywhere last night. Everywhere. That's on Georgia. I said he doesn't play. I mean, he doesn't play against you. But either way, point still stands. Um... This is George's fault here, and they've got to wear this today. By the way, your guys' uh, favorite attorney is weighing in on this now. Uh, he quoted an article about Otis Reese, and uh, here's what he said Tom Mars said, What people are missing here is that Kirby Smart's unequivocal support would have caused the NCAA to rubber stamp Otis's waiver request. But whether it's Cade Mays, Ohio State's star quarterbacker Otis Reese, Coach Smart always seems to focus on pleasing the angry, retaliatory Georgia fans. Hmm. Now, I think Tom Mars is a snake oil salesman who is uh, remarkably transparent about what his end game here is. But um, it's not like that guy hasn't done a really good job of getting kids eligible. And has, I mean, you guys know... Uh, owned Ole Miss in the past. So he's obviously found a niche that is working for him. It's a lot to unpack there. And I guess the question is um, Does any of this help? Does Tom Mars getting involved here in some capacity, maybe he's just tweeting? Does Otis Reese uh, putting this on Twitter, uh, d- does this help anything? And honestly, my gut says no. I don't think it does. Um, My gut says no. Because if they don't have a decision by three days out from the game, there's nothing that could have been done that would have helped at this point. Um, And maybe this just pisses off the NCAA. But the problem that they face now is they've set a precedent for this. Literally apples to apples. Justin Fields left Georgia because of that incident. And they rubber-stamped it off to Ohio State. Otis Reese is pointing to that event. He's also pointing to an event that was corroborated by a teammate and a text message exchange between he and his coach. I said this on Twitter last night. I firmly believe it to completely to be true. The NCAA has already set a precedent for this exact thing. Like I said, it's literally apples to apples. If he gets denied eligibility... There's one reason why. One reason why. Because he's not a high-profile quarterback going to a high-profile school. It's because he's a backup safety transferring to Ole Miss. That's why. Because it's apples to apples. They've already set this precedent. Just like the receiver at South Carolina, the, the playing field isn't the same. Especially, it's, it's not the same. But especially if he gets denied this waiver, um, it's as transparent as you need to know. It's as transparent. (sighs) Anyway, uh, I I can't imagine how frustrated the people at Ole Miss are because he would be a starter. He'd be the starting safety on Saturday if he was given his eligibility. And now there's some kind of back-and-forth fight between... uh, Ole Miss in Georgia, and I just wonder what the hell Greg Sankey's doing in all of this. What, what is he doing? How do you let this happen? Three days before kickoff. Hmm. Kirby Smart returning Georgia to glory. Uh, anyway. All right, let's turn the page here looking at the depth chart. I know that you folks love depth charts. I will say, though, take it for what it is worth, which is not a whole lot. Um, For a couple of reasons. One, they don't want to give away too much. That's why you have an or next to the two quarterbacks' names. They know who's going to start on Saturday. There is no or. They know exactly who it's going to be. But these things are written in sand, it all, in some cases, will depend on personnel, especially with Ole Miss defensively, the type of package that they're running. They're going to have a very multiple defense. Uh, take these for what they are worth, which, like, again, like I said, is not a whole lot. But there were a few things that stood out to me that um, you heard people talking about behind the scenes with, uh, in regards to how these guys are performed in camp, and uh, to see it on a depth chart kind of confirms a couple of things. So here's what stood out to me. Um, From Ole Miss's depth chart. And the first thing is the offensive line seems solid. I mean, I told you, I think last episode or or two podcasts ago, that internally they feel there's a quiet confidence about the offensive line being better than people nationally think it's going to be. Uh, They list Royce Newman at right tackle, Jeremy James at right guard, Ben Brown the center. They think he's an NFL guy. Reese McIntyre at left guard and Nick Broker at left tackle. That's a group of guys that um, there's a lot of upside there a little inexperienced, and depth is kind of a concern. You've got uh, a freshman listed second on the depth chart at right tackle, and and you've got Jalen Cunningham who hasn't played a whole whole lot of football. Uh, Depth is certainly something to keep an eye on, but those first five and a couple of these guys that will be in the rotation, they feel pretty good about, and that group might be a little better than people give it credit for. Uh no surprises at wide receiver Mingo, Elijah Moore, and Ontario Drummond. Uh Braylon Sanders not being a starter is at least a little bit interesting, although he is coming off of an injury, so uh, we will see. Uh quarterback is the or Matt Corral or John Rice Plumley. Uh the Temple tight end, Kenny Yaboa. Uh, he won the tight end job, which isn't exactly a surprise. It's why you bring in a graduate transfer with one year left, you bring him into play right away, and that's what he is able to do. But then the running back situation. Henry Parrish, the freshman, is listed up on this depth chart. They they have said multiple times in press conferences that they expect him to play, and now you see it basically in writing. It seems like they really believe in that freshman, Henry Parrish, the kid out of Florida, the high-level recruit that they got in last year's class, they really expect him to, to play a lot of football this year. And if that's the case, if he's a plug-and-play type player, Ole Miss has three proven backs. I mean, that are upper echelon SEC quality backs in that backfield if Henry Parrish really is a guy that's going to plug and play right away. So that's um, that's exciting if you're Ole Miss. <laughs> I mean, having a backfield like that and the fact that you have Ely and Connor returning with how good they were a year ago, and Henry Parrish is going to come in as a true freshman and take carries away from him, uh, he must be really, really showing out in camp. On the other side of the ball, um, this is what I'm talking about with depth charts, for example. Because on the defensive line, you have Tisdale, Anderson, KD Hill, and Tavius Robinson, even though he's a buck. I guess they're, that's more of like an outside linebacker, even though it's a defensive end, because that's what Sam Williams is going to play. You have Ryder Anderson listed as the first-team defensive tackle and also the second-team defensive end. And I got a text from a buddy that was like, wait, are we really that thin that Anderson's going to play tackle and end? Uh, You are going to get multiple fronts from this Ole Miss defense. It's going to be um, a very creative defense based on what we've seen from these two guys in the past, and you're going to see a lot of different fronts with different personnel in those defensive fronts. We can't just sit here and say, yeah, it's going to be a 4-3. Because they're not always going to give you 4-3 looks. Sometimes they're going to give you 3-4 looks, or 4-2-5 looks, stuff like that. So um, depth at the defensive line is very much a concern. Of course it is. Uh, There are a lot of names on there that some of you won't be familiar with, and they don't list Sam Williams as a starter. So that's why I gave the caveat about depth charts. But on, on this case especially... You're going to see a lot of different defensive fronts from Ole Miss based on what the the coaches calling the plays and running the defense have done in the past. Uh, So I wouldn't get too hung up on Ryder Anderson being listed at two different spots. That's just kind of how it's going to be, especially on that side of the ball. When you look at the linebacker position, um, on paper it, it bears repeating, it's a solid group. They don't have Momo Sanogo listed as a starter at the moment. Uh, Lakia Henry and Jock Jones are the guys they have listed as uh, your starting true linebackers. Ashanti Sistrunk is the other guy uh, next to Sanogo. That's a solid group. Got to stay healthy, but, but that's a group that they believe in, and they should. It's the first time in a long time that you can look at a preseason depth chart and say, hey, Ole Miss should be pretty good there. That's a handful of guys that, have played and have played well in the SEC. There's experience, there's size, there's athleticism. They've got a pretty solid group of linebackers here. And uh, that's not something that you guys have been able to say about your team for a very, very long time. This year, though, uh, they finally have some experience and depth and talent at linebacker. Looking at the secondary, there's a couple of omissions that uh, stand out. Uh, And that's Dean Leonard and Otis Reese. Two guys that are not listed here. Lane Kiffin has said uh, Otis Reese would be a starter uh, if he was cleared. And uh, Dean Leonard, he's compared to an NFL corner not listed here because the word is that the SEC has yet to clear him, which is mind-blowing because it's not like he transferred from another SEC school. He transferred from a place in Canada. Ole Miss already has a guy on the defensive line that Tavius Robinson, who transferred from a a different school in Canada and – got his waiver and the sec cleared him so what are they waiting on f- from this guy if that's truly the case because uh, he's not listed here and based on what kiffin said uh, earlier in camp uh, he would be but that's a that's a glaring omission especially with otis reese because he would be one of these starters they've got uh, Keydron smith and jalen jones uh, smith the corner jones a strong safety aj finley at the free and Jacory hawkins is the other corner at least listed as a starter? But that's what stands out is the names that are not there, more so than the names uh, that are are there. According to this, they've got Jaron Ely and Elijah Moore returning kicks. Mac Brown is uh, going to be punting, and um, Richard Cross told me the other day that uh, no no more rugby style. He will be straightforward punting the ball, and apparently he's much better at that than he is uh, the rugby style. And uh, Luke Logan still uh, kicking field goals, uh, hopefully with some renewed confidence after some struggles uh, last year. So that's a a quick look at your depth chart. Again, not uh, too many things you can draw from that. Um, I've noticed also that they've listed some wide receivers or some quarterbacks on the roster as wide receivers. That's something new. I've seen it at a lot of places, though. South Carolina, for example... Uh, moved, quote, a a quarterback to wide receiver. Uh, Mississippi State has done the same. I wonder if it's COVID-related. Because I I don't think that, for example, the quarterback at South Carolina that moved is going to be playing wide receiver. They recruited him to play quarterback. He's got uh, high upside as a quarterback. They really believe in him. He's just a freshman, but they list him on the roster. As a wide receiver. And the same thing is happening with Ole Miss. Um, a couple of quarterbacks have been moved over, at least according to the roster, to the wide receiver spot. And um, it kind of took me by surprise, and according to to my friend Zach Barry, Cade Renfro, um, a guy they recruited uh, to come in and play quarterback, is listed at wide receiver on the roster. And... Uh, I mean, maybe they, I don't know. And Grant Tisdale also, by the way, is listed at wide receiver. Grant Tisdale and Cade Renfro on the roster are listed at wide receiver. And that's the third SEC team to to do this. I think it might be COVID-related. Because there has to be a certain number of guys at each position group available to play. And I wonder if the wide receivers have been hit by injury or or something like that. or, Or they're manipulating positions for COVID reasons, because I don't think that Cade Renfro and Grant Tisdale are, are going to play wide receiver, and according to Zach, um, it is not a, a misprint that they they did that on purpose. My gut says uh, that that is a COVID related deal with uh, roster numbers and having to have guys at certain positions. That would be my guess uh, because that doesn't make sense otherwise. So anyway. We will have uh, Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun on the radio show this afternoon. Uh, I think Richard will be doing that interview, so I will have that for you on Friday. Also, picks, final thoughts before we get into Ole Miss and Florida. The plan right now is, uh, of course, I do a show on, on Sunday morning. You can listen to there, but the plan is to do some kind of uh, instant reaction uh, podcast on Saturday after the game. That is the the plan. Uh, right now, uh, is for, for me to do that. So hopefully, uh, I'll get that for you, so be on the lookout for that Saturday afternoon. But Friday, I will have uh, some more for you. With Pat Dooley, we'll have picks, all that good stuff. So stay locked in there. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. Don't forget to go by LBs and see Greg. Follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borkey. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. And I will talk to you again on Friday.